going on, man? Hey, what's happening? Happy uh, almost Friday, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I got lucky. I ended early today. So I'm going to look at it like a, a mini Friday. All the trucks booked? Yeah, everybody's moving, man. Good to hear. Well, this should be fun. Um, you know, I've known Cody for a bit, and um, he's always got some good content. He's got a lot of experience in produce, was on the shipper side. Um, yeah, I'm excited to you know talk to him about logistics, sales, trucking. Should be fun. Yeah, I mean, I was just telling him backstage, you know, I was just kick it for an hour and talk logistics, man. Sounds good. Let's do it. What's up, Cody? Hey, hey Cody. How's it going? It's pretty good, man. Just living the dream down here in sunny Phoenix. How about you guys? Uh, surviving in Minnesota. We got uh, snow for the first time in two months. So that baseball diamond in your uh, background looks like it'd be a fun spot right now. Oh, yeah. Spring training's kicking off, buddy. It's big, big time down here. I don't know. I think Minnesota, the Twins do their spring training. I don't know if it's Arizona or Florida, but yeah, so many teams I feel like are it Arizona down here. spring training. Yep, it's down here. They do the most of the East Coast teams are in in uh, Tampa, um, but most of the Midwest on over is all down here. But Twins don't play. Their field is, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes from my house. Oh, wow. Yep. You probably know more about the Twins minor league uh prodigies and i do then probably i i, I got two two boys so we we love our baseball games very cool well i guess we uh kind of start with all of our all of our guests um you know it's always fun to ask people how they got in logistics um yeah just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you got in logistics sure i started off uh, at the ripe old age of 18 with uh, walmart actually um and that was that was an experience it was on the retail logistics side so it was more um, you know, inventory control type stuff with those guys from the DC standpoint. Um, and then I moved to Associated Food Stores, which is a large co-op warehouse up in Utah. That's where I grew up. Uh, I spent 12 years there and I pretty much did everything from, you know, picking orders on the floor to loading trucks, unloading trucks, backing up trucks to uh, as soon as I moved into the transportation side of things, I did driver bids. I did purchase, you know, equipment purchasing. I've been to every you know utility, Great Dane, Wabash uh, facility that you can, seen everything built. Um, I've even backed up a few trucks into a few trucks uh, in the yard. I, you know, and then we, we, I mean, we were a 1.5 million square foot warehouse, so I've done everything in that as well, from slotting to um, you, you know new WMS rollouts. So it's kind of rounded. Um, and then I I moved down here to Arizona seven years ago. And I took a job with Taylor Farms to come down here and I was their executive director of supply chain. So I ran everything for those guys. <coughs> Transportation to order picking, to procurement, um, all that fun stuff. And I've been on the brokerage side for the last five years. So I came, came to work with ANZ. ANZ was actually a partner with Taylor Farms. Uh, we did a consolidation project up in Denver together. And so I got to know the owner really well and just loved what they were doing. and. I mean, I love it. It's being on the brokerage side. It's crazy because when I was on the shipper side, it was like broker was a four letter word, right? Like if you called me up asking for freight, the very first thing I would say is, are you asset based? And if you said no, I'd be like, you better have a good sales pitch to get past me right now. Um, so, you know, now the shoe's on the other foot and I, I realize how hard, you know, brokers work and how many times they get no, told no, just, you know, from somebody like me. Um, so it's, <laughs> It's, it's been fun though. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. It's definitely uh, opened my eyes to a lot of challenges that you don't really see on the shipper side. Right. How uh, does ANZ have your own assets then? Or are you guys asset based brokerage or just, uh... so we have, we have an asset division, but it's run under a different MC, different company. 
um, basically. So we, we also have a, a produce wholesale division as well up in the uh, Northeast warehouse up there. Um, we also do a lot of cross-stock consolidation. We, got, we own warehouses in the produce hub. So Yuma, Salinas, and then uh, Yakima, Washington. It had to give you a lot of experience though, starting at 18 and actually loading trucks, you know, working in the warehouse, you know, seeing what drivers, you know, go through. Cause oh, I think part of, the, part of the reason a lot of broker carrier relationships, I think can be bad is, you know, I mean, I, I never loaded a, loaded a truck, but, you know, visiting customers and seeing that happen, you know, gives you kind of a, a different perspective. Um, I'm sure that's oh, huge. When I, when I, when I first got into the routing department, one of the things they actually made us do was, so we would actually be part of the team that we, you know, we get all the information for all the store orders. We decide what trucks they're going to go on, all that fun shit, right? What routes are going to go on. Um, they actually made us see it from A to Z. So we would take the order, we would process the order. They'd make us go pick one of the pallets on the order. They'd make us load the truck with the order, and then we'd have to go do a ride along and actually deliver it. So we would see it all the way through. Um, and that was like, that was really good. I continued that. Um, when I took over that department, making sure that everybody understands every single piece of the pie, right? And that definitely opened my eyes a lot too, because you know, drivers are people. A lot of people don't realize that. They just think they're a robot and they're just going to drive for ten hours and they're going to bump your dock and everything's good. But you know, you hit your first deer when you're doing a ride along, and it kind of opens your eyes. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people just kind of see it as, you know, like a video game. Like they see them on tracking. They're like, oh, the truck's moving. It's going. But yep. when you're in that truck or, you know, you get to experience it firsthand, it's, it's really different, different story. Yeah. Especially the OTR guys, man. You're living in your truck for, you know, a lot of those guys, what, a couple weeks at a time. It's usually like three weeks out and then they're back for back home for a week. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're, you know, every time I stop at a, a pilot or anything like that see a big long line for showers all of us take that for granted right like we get to hop in the shower every morning and there's no line yeah we don't have to pay. <laughs> like stuff like that like people just don't think about that right yeah i mean i've been watching uh this one trucker man he makes some good youtube shorts and uh he's like yeah i do my dishes in, in the sink in a, in a bathroom public bathroom yep. i was like man like you never think you know like how are they yep. doing their dishes how are they living i got a buddy who he take he carries workout equipment with him so he's got like basically a full little foldable gym that he takes with him and he'll just bust it out in the middle of a parking lot, get his work out of it for half an hour. Yeah. I mean, my driver the other week was telling me like, uh, Hey man, I'm busy for an hour. I got to go hit the, the, the fitness center. I was like, all right, man. I mean, getting that, that, uh, statewide or, you know, countrywide gym membership, that's like the best thing he was telling me. Oh, like, absolutely. You go shower in the gym. You skip a lot of the line. You get, you know, your workout in. So. Yep. Well, the laundry machine's got to work too. I, uh, it's been fun being on Twitter because there's a lot more drivers on Twitter than LinkedIn. And I saw a post today from a driver who was upset, a pilot in Mississippi. They're both their laundry machines were broken, you know, and that's not really a problem. We have to, you no. know, deal with. take that shit for granted, right? Hey, hey, no, no, I had to deal with that, man. I'm renting an apartment and in my country, uh, it usually comes, you know, appliances come with it when you rent something. I didn't have a washing machine for three weeks last month. That's brutal. So Jeez. That's something some of us deal with that still. <laughs> so is your role, Cody, then are you overseeing the you know sales department at A and Z? You doing the training, the hiring, or uh, what does your role kind of consist of? Yeah, I'm the senior VP of sales and marketing. So, you know, any anything related to sales. So I do have a sales team, so hiring, training. Uh, I'm still doing a lot of outreach as well, especially I, I more focus on the enterprise accounts. So 
um, and our current accounts that we have. We have, I mean, we've been in business for 20 years, so we have a lot of long, long-standing enterprise accounts. Um, but that's, you know, my my focus is just training up the next crop and making sure that everybody understands what what it takes to actually be successful. Because you know, Matt, I mean. I, I followed you for a while and your content has been fantastic. And I've seen a lot of the stuff that you post about your journey. A lot of people don't know what they're getting into, man. A lot of people don't understand, like your phone doesn't stop. And if you're, if you're not working on Saturdays and you're not doing some prospecting on Sundays, you're not going to be successful in this industry. It is not a nine to five. So, um, but yeah, that's my role. Um, just driving sales and making sure that we're marketing correctly to get our name out there. And, um, you know, we're pretty well known in the produce industry. That's kind of our niche. I mean, we do some, food and bed that's outside of produce, but we're probably about 90% produce, what we focus on. Um, well, how is that industry? Because um, I'm sure that's why you have a great greater understanding of not being nine to five, because I am i didn't do produce, but frozen seafood was my biggest commodity. And a lot of those are, you know, early morning appointments, multi-pick, multi-drop, you know, kind of similar to, you know, the produce. But from what I heard, produce is, you know, even a lot more difficult than, than seafood. Yeah, a lot that goes into it, a lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings. Uh, yep. And a, and a lot of, honestly, like the same the same carrier that's going to haul like a, a deli meat load for me is probably not the same carrier that's going to take a load of cherries or strawberries for me um, because, you know, produce, it's widely known. Most shippers do not pay attention. You just have to figure it into your, to your rate, right, when you're doing produce. And that's why produce uh, carriers typically get more, you know, rate per mile than if they're hauling just deli because most of the produce outside of, you know, citrus, citrus is kind of the one that they can pick and they can citrus and apples. They can store that for a while, but like your leafy greens, your berries, all that fun shit. It's literally harvested the morning that you're supposed to go pick that shit up and they have to cool it down. Yes. They have to cool it down. And that's assuming that, you know, the weather conditions are great and they have enough labor to pick everything. But, you know, there's a couple, shippers that are very notorious i won't name them on here but um you know you, you might have a standing appointment at 7 p.m um because the majority of the, the loading times are always in the evening um but they might not load you until the next morning because they're waiting on product to cool they can't ship it until it's cool to a certain extent right um and that's assuming that the yield was correct and the labor was correct and all that fun shit. so produces you know we're 24 7. we don't we don't get to take holidays off uh, my my brokers 90% of their loads are not loaded by the time they leave here. So our night shift is the ones who are having to, to babysit everything, you know, verify case counts. Case counts is another thing. Like your case counts are never accurate. A buyer is going to try to always overbuy because he knows that he's going to get shorted in produce. Um, the few dry loads that we do run, I mean, they're cakewalked. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're all loaded by 5 PM wherever they're at. And 90% of the time, like that stuff's probably staged before they get there. And it's on the truck in less than two hours and driver's happy and good to go. Produce is so different, so different. And then on top of that, your claims. I mean, produce is the most claimed commodity when it comes to food and bev, right? Um, very, very temperature sensitive, like a, like a, a flat tire. That could be an entire claim, like a full truck claim, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of hit the same realization when I switched from doing drive-in uh into power only because it went from being like every one of my trucks is loaded by two three o'clock and i know i'm out and there's pretty much if everyone's loaded there's nothing to do you know but for yep. power only 
most days we're booking for eight, six, seven, eight p.m. at night because you got a lot of automated boards and you know you're doing a lot of hook and drops. And I was like, wow, man! Like I thought this was gonna be fun. I was like, dude, it's like eight p.m. eight p.m. at night, guys. Drops the trailer. We're still booking for eight, like for drive-in five, six o'clock. No brokers answering the phone. Nope. So, nope. All they're doing is track and trace after that, right? Yeah, literally. You brought up a case count, which I think is interesting because I actually hired a customer because. They, I don't know if seafood is similar to produce, but they had you know 2,800 cases or whatever, and it was a sealed load. The shipper couldn't, the driver couldn't be on the dock. It got to the receiver, still sealed, and there was you know 15 cases missing. And they were like, I won't name the broker, but they were upset with me that I wouldn't charge that on the carrier because uh, I guess a certain big box broker just blames the carrier every time and just takes it from that. I was like. I'm not going to do that. The driver can't physically count 2,800 cases, um, which was insane to me. But there's a lot of shippers on the you know food side that can be, you know, a little bit sketchy to work with too. You know, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, I always tell my drivers. I had a similar situation with a case count claim, and I tell all my drivers, man, if it's sealed, take a picture of the seal. You know that 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 literally negates all of your responsibility. Like if I pull up to the the delivery with that seal on my truck like whatever's in that truck is the shipper's problem like they're like oh we're missing 10 cases did you guys steal it i told him buddy like i have the seal on the truck how could i steal anything like that's just a shipper issue that's you guys figure that out you know so i think any driver you know even brokers anybody watching this make sure you get the seal tell your drivers you know if if there's no seal buy them they're 10 cents a seal at the truck stop get a hundred of them and just slap your own seal on it you know I mean, that 10 cents will save you a claim in the future. So. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, there's stuff on the paperwork. Obviously, everything we we are not able to count on the dock is always subject load to count. You make sure that that's on your, your paperwork and the the shipper's going to sign it. It's not a get, a get out of jail free card, but it, it shows <laughs> that you did your due diligence, right? Um, there's a lot of different steps. I mean, we when it comes, everything's got a temperature recorder for it with us, usually multiple because uh, you want to see what's going on the, the front of the truck, the middle of the truck, the end of the truck, right? Especially if you got like a, you know, quarter million dollar load of uh, organic berries for Whole Foods or Sprouts or somebody, you know? Last thing you want is a, a pinch shoot or something like that. Because that could kill, you know, potentially half the truck or even, you know, the entire truck. You know, we've had it where it's frozen up top, you know, the first four pallets, and then the back wasn't getting any air, so it was all cooked. Those are Those are no fun. I mean, how does that work, though, with that detention? You're saying, you know, produce shippers don't pay detention. I mean, is that just kind of like an industry agreement? Like, hey, this is just what it is. This is what we're it's doing. It's one of those handshake things where it's not written, but everybody understands it. Yeah. And it's kind of just, produce kinda just built into the rate. Yeah, it's like, you know, I talk to um, Dean over at DAT about this all the time. They're trying to actually, like, separate produce data from the rest of reefer data and then frozen data from the rest of, of reefer data actually come up with some pricing models for those. Um, produce is always going to be like 10 to 20% higher than your, your regular reefer rate in a lane. Yeah, Are you guys pricing that out? Are you guys using, uh, you know, since there's not that, it's very different than frozen or other reefer freight. How do you guys go about, uh, you know, pricing your freight? So typically it's a combination of, we, we do lean on DAT a lot, um, at least for the seasonality, right? So you can at least predict from a percentage point, like how much it's going to go up between April and May and stuff like that. And then historical data, historical data is the best, the best for us to go off of. I'm guessing you have to keep up too with, you know, I was talking to a buddy in Protos the other week and he was telling me, I forget which way it was now, but apples are either 
I think there's an overflow of apples or too many apples out there right now. Yeah. And, you know, just having <laughs> to keep up with all the, the, the market, um, you have to kind of follow the produce market kind of in terms of prospecting, going after customers, current. Uh, absolutely. Prospecting wise, it's definitely, you know, follow the harvests. Like last year, the, the apple harvest wasn't that great because they had an early frost, killed a lot of the, um, a lot of the apples. But this year it looks like there's an overabundance. The problem is there's the demand's not there. So they've got a little bit more than they than they bargained for. So, you know, keeping up on that stuff definitely is gonna help. But we're so seasonal, especially like, you know, you have the your winter salad bowl down in Yuma and then you have your summer salad bowl up in Salinas, California. Um, so from a prospecting standpoint, you definitely have to get ahead of that. It's like right now everybody's working on their Salinas bid. It doesn't start until April, right? But you know, starting in January, if you don't start prospecting people that are going to be in California for produce, then you're going to miss the boat. And then the same thing comes in August. If you're not prospecting in August for your Yuma shippers, you're not going to get those, you know, get on the bid soon enough. So, yeah, it's a lot more strategy, I, th I think, in the produce food than it is, you know, if you're going after a dry van shipper that ships oh, yeah. nine to four, first come, first serve, you know, yeah. if it's a day late, like, Oh, it's not the end of the world. But I mean, if you miss a pickup in, you know, produce or you're late um, or there's a disaster, I mean, you could lose a customer. Pretty easily. easily have a claim. You could have all sorts of stuff. I mean, being on the warehouse side really taught me the difference between like produce and everything else. And I always tell my team, like, if if you're a day late on a on a load of corn pops, nobody's going to care because they got safety stock. Right? <laughs> but if you're if you're a day late on a load of cherries or strawberries, they don't keep safety stock. They can't keep safety stock. Right because every day that it's picked, every day it's not on the vine or in the ground, it's dying, you're losing shelf life. So, you know, every day it's on the truck, it's, they're, they're losing a day of sales. So you, yeah, it's definitely, we, we do teams. I mean, probably 60 or 70% of what we do is all teams. We're getting from California to the Northeast in two and a half to three days. Um, it's just, you know, it's a different world for sure. It makes prospecting non-produce guys a lot easier though. I'm not going to lie. If you can go into a big shipper and say, Hey, I've been doing produce for 20 years. Most of them are going to be like, cool, come on in. I'll get you on my RFP. No, having, having that niche advantage is, is big. Um, how is that for carrier selection too? I mean, cause I, I think a lot of people, you know, part of the reason, and this could just be, this is just an opinion, but I mean, a lot of double brokering, you know, fraud, a lot of that, you know, cause if you pick a drive in, you know, it's first come first serve. A lot of people might just think, Oh, I'll just pick the cheapest carrier and get this on there. But like if you make the wrong carrier selection, you know, with reefer freight, as you were just saying, I mean, it can be an absolute nightmare. Roster. Yeah. I mean, for us, like I said, we've been in business for 20 years, so we have a pretty loyal um, carrier base and we're over 90% asset reutilization on our side. So we use the same carriers for most of our loads. It's it's almost like dedicated freight, but the problem with produce is you never know what shed you're going to pick up from, right? That also makes it very. When you're bidding freight, you're usually bidding a region to a to a destination, right? So it could be Southern California, Central California to New York. Uh, well, you know, Los Angeles to Bakersfield, they're two different markets. Salinas to Bakersfield, two different markets. Um, so it does make it a lot more complicated, and that does impact your carrier selection too. So you do have to have, you know, a waterfall approach with a lot of carriers. So, you know, I have ran some dry, dry loads before, and that's usually easy. You find one or two carriers that are either based in your destination or your pickup area, or they got a back call, you know, going on somewhere. Um, and they're probably going to take 90% of your freight, right? But 
say I've got a carrier who's based in Bakersfield, he's probably not going to be taking my Salinas loads. And if I got a carrier that's based in Salinas, he's probably not going to be taking my Bakersfield load. Um, and because those sheds move every single week, it's, it's, it's definitely a guessing game. And on top of that, our window is so much smaller. So most our tender lead time is anywhere between 12 and 24 hours. So I'll get my loads for tomorrow this evening and they got to start loading tomorrow. Um, so it's, it's definitely a lot different than, you know, your typical 10 day lead time or 14 day lead time with everything else. That's what makes it fun though. I mean, that's why I like seafood. I mean, seafood should have had better lead time. Some of my customers though, they would wait until, you know, three, four hours and then change where it was going to be picked up. If it was this cold storage or that and change the drop. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult. You have to have a water full. Yeah. You can't just set up a, you know, carrier, I know I have friends who are brokers and they get their freight two weeks ahead of time or a week and, you know, no changes. And it's, it's a lot easier to get, you know, regular dedicated carriers where if you don't know what cold storage or how many drops or how many picks, or if it's a team or solo and change trucks mid route. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's exciting though. I'm sure you, you have a lot more fun, um, you know, on the produce side than at least to me, than you know, just doing a simple drive van might be a lot more boring. Yeah, it's it's definitely not boring. I can tell you that. Um, and and the carriers, I mean, that's why I said like we, the same carrier that's going to take a deli dairy load for me is probably not the same carrier that's going to take produce most of the time because the produce guys, once you get into produce as a carrier, you understand it, um, and you do understand that just because we we got a load on Monday out of Salinas for a customer, that customer might order out out of LA next next week, right? Next Monday. So you may not have, even though we're going to dedicate certain lanes to certain carriers. Um, it's not always going to be the same, right? And then one week it might be a one pick because Taylor Farms had a really good harvest that morning. And then the next week it could be four picks because Taylor Farms didn't have a great harvest. And you got to go to Taylor Farms and TNA and Dorigo and everybody else just to, to fulfill that one item realistically. So um, it can get kind of crazy. And that's why we, you know, strategically about seven years ago, we started opening our own uh, temp controlled consolidation um, warehouses in those areas. So like Yuma and, and Salinas, those are, the two largest hubs. Uh, so we can take, you know, we work with all the big food service providers. I've seen, in fact, this morning we have a, we have a 12 pick load this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's going to mass right out of Yuma. So 12 picks and they need a team one, you're never going to find a team that's going to be sitting around for three days to load. Right. They're just not going to do that. They want to drive. Um, and then two, like 12 picks, there's no way in hell you're, you're going to be lucky to get all three of those or all of those on in three days. So what we do is we have dedicated fleets that work with us just in Yuma, just in Salinas and, and the radius are, you know, about 30 miles outside of there. And they'll go and do every single pick that we need, come back to our warehouse. Um, and, with, and within a 12 hour period, we can get, you know, 30, 40 picks for our customers back to our warehouse. We'll build the outbound loads. We'll slap that outbound load on a team. You'll take 12 hours to load a 12 picker versus three days. So, that's impressive. I mean, that's, that's the, the chess part of it. How is it yeah. training the new brokers because um you know learning produce you know is a lot harder i think than just learning logistics in general is it hard for the people that you know i'm guessing it's a longer you know training process if they're if you're having them prospect produce companies oh, as opposed to other you know businesses yeah absolutely and the biggest thing when it comes to that is seasonality right um just understanding the seasons of of you know, like apples, for example, we're talking about apples. The majority of the apples come out of the Pacific Northwest, like Washington, Oregon area, right? But then during the summer, 
everybody grows local apples. So you might have a customer that gives you a great amount of freight. You might be on a year long contract with a customer and you get a ton of freight during the winter, fall and, and spring months. And then summer, you get like one load a week. So understanding that, right? And, and especially from a pricing standpoint, because if you go in at a very competitive pricing, assuming you're going to get X amount of loads every single week, and then you get you know three times that during the winter and a quarter of that during the summer, that you know that's hard to price out. So like that type of stuff, those little nuances uh, definitely make it a lot harder to train people. And it takes a good solid year if you if you don't have any experience in in produce, it takes a good solid year for you to like be able to to execute at a high level you ever just walk around the grocery store and be like wow man like i know where all this came from like oh, yeah. you ever think you're getting like ripped off on produce like oh, i know how much they're shipping this for like <laughs> oh definitely uh, you can uh, and i use that for prospecting too you can ask my fiance she gets annoyed every time we go to costco so i'm like oh, i wonder where this ship from like i gotta call these guys next yeah. week. <laughs> you know Dude, i was watching an old james bond movie last night with my girlfriend and uh they walked into some printing press and they walked in there's just like stacks of paper rolls i was like hey like i shipped that stuff Right, um, bro. If you walk into a grocery store, you're shipping like pretty much everything in there. <laughs> it's convenient. My my fiance loves these. Uh, they're called cotton candy grapes. I don't know if you guys have ever had them or seen them at your store. They're very very seasonal though. It's like a six week really short season out of Pacific Northwest. And so like I have my buyers that I'm friends with that always give me a heads up because they know that she fucking loves them. <laughs> they're always like, hey, we're gonna PO for cotton candy going here, Cody. And I'm like, cool, I'll go get her a couple. You know. What does your uh, what does your fiance think about you being on the uh, produce side? Since it's uh, obviously less of a logistics isn't really nine to five and anything, but produce definitely isn't. Is, was that a uh, a fun conversation when you met? Um, you know, she she actually came from a similar industry, um, not not produce, so she understands the hustle and bustle of logistics. But um, she definitely would like me home a lot more and not on the, not not on my phone as much. But yeah, you know you how. Do you're doing a lot of traveling too, uh, you know, visiting customers in the produce. Yeah, everybody that thinks that you can prospect just through email and cold calls, man, they're probably 20 years old and never actually had a real job doing this stuff. But like everything changes when you actually meet somebody in person because um, one, it's easier to talk through difficulties too. Like I would rather sit down with somebody and look them, look them dead in the eye and say like, hey, this is where you guys are, are struggling. Like, what are you going to do to fix it? Let's talk through this problem. And another thing is like, you know, that human interaction, especially through COVID, right? Like, I think we crave it a lot more after we just went through what we went through. Sitting down and having a beer with somebody and talking, talking like this, like, what's your background? You know, what have you guys come from? This is what I've done. And you guys can bond a lot over that. And they actually, it helps you get the point across that you know what you're doing, right? And, and you can talk through the value add because every single podcast I do, that's all I ever tell everybody in sales. If you're not focusing on your value add, you're just another cold call. And they're getting probably 30 of them a day, at least. So especially, especially in this market. I mean, the shippers oh, yeah. I say their calls are up 30 to 50% over the last year yeah. alone, you know. Um, but I I saw a post actually on that topic today about visiting customers, and it's so many people in logistics don't do that. And you know, it's a big uh, big mistake. Oh yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm traveling, I'm heading to Pennsylvania this week, uh, this weekend for mm -hmm. customer show. And then I'm right back down here and heading to Orlando for food shippers. So. How is uh food shippers? I mean, <laughs> I would think on the shipper side, I couldn't imagine going to that conference. There's probably so many brokers and, um, you know, food shippers I've mm -hmm. always heard it's a great conference, but 
I don't know if I'd want to be a shipper at that conference. The, well, the one good thing about food shipper, I, I guess not the one good thing, but the best thing about food shippers is they actually have a limited amount of tickets and they split it up. It's 33% brokers, 33 or 33% shippers, 33% transportation and 33% um, technology. So, oh, wow. so they limit the amount of brokers. You got to be like grandfathered into that shit. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would definitely see man like if they didn't do it that way it would be like nine to one broker to oh, yeah. so we we also go to um the pm the produce pmas it's like the largest produce show every year right and that it's it's a hundred percent that so everybody has their own booths right like the, all the um shippers and harvesters the growers and then your retailers are usually there but it is just see like a sea of, of brokers just yeah. walking down up every single aisle hand out, handing out their cards saying the same thing hey can i talk to your transportation manager and they don't bring them there on purpose right so, <laughs> yeah we we usually go we go every year but we usually go just to you know hang out with our our customers that are there um and entertain those guys and have a good time with those I mean, guys with, Not how, a great with how serious you're saying produce is and you know like the Kind of the barrier to entry i mean how does anybody with no history get into produce because i would assume if you go up to some guy and be like hey i've been doing produce 20 years he's gonna give you the business every single time over the guys <laughs> yeah i've been doing this for like three months or three years like i feel like just kind of how do you even get into produce at that point i mean you, you definitely have to have a good mentor but you you got to have a good a solid foundation because i mean like you know without a, an ops team that understands produce like your sales team's toast Right. So, you know, our ops team has been doing this for a long time. We have, you know, we have, uh, we call them uh, stop signs every, every four hours. Right. Which is whenever you're stopping, you're refueling, you're going to the bathroom, whatever it is the drivers are doing, they're required to go out, check the reefer, verify, send us a picture of it so that we can send it to the customer, all sorts of stuff like that. If you, if you don't have that from a sales standpoint, you know, your toast, you're going to get one or two loads in and you're, it's going to be frozen. It's going to be, in fact, I, I have a really good friend who just joined a brokerage about six months ago and he landed his first produce customer. And I was like trying to give him some tips. And first week he froze two loads of potatoes. And I'm like, I'm like, bro. And he's like, I don't know how it froze and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, did you get a reefer temp setting? Like before they started loading, because that's required from us. Right. So if you're going to bump a dock, the driver literally has to go out there with his phone, take a picture of the reefer and send it over to my dispatch team. Right. So that we can record it and say, Hey, when we started loading, this is what it was set to. This is what the air was blowing, all that fun stuff. And he's like, no, we don't do that. And I'm like, my bet. He probably had a frozen load before he bumped the dock and he didn't change his reefer. Did he lose the customer? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was a fortune 500 customer too. It was oh, a big wow. one. So you got a big one. Mm -hmm. How is it at the produce? Do you see since all these brokers go up and, you know, try to sell at those conferences and you're just hanging out, you know, at the produce conference with your customers. Are you just sometimes hanging out with them and you see these other brokers come oh, yeah. up and try to pitch oh, yeah. them? Yeah. And, and it's, it's entertaining. I mean, I, I take my sales team with me just because we're going there to meet with our current customers, but it's a horrible place to prospect. You would think it would be a good place because you have such a concentration of everybody there, but it, they're all their sales reps, right? Their sales reps don't give two shits about us. They don't want to talk to a broker about logistics. They want to talk to a Walmart or a Sprouts or a Whole Foods about, you know, selling their product. So it's it's not a great place to prospect, but they always throw a good show and it's a, it's a good time. And you know, I advocate anytime you can get together with your customers, you should do it. I mean, so we're, have you been doing like produce? That's that's all you've kind of done as a broker. Um, I mean, did you ever move? Um, no, we so we move. I mean, we're all food and bev. We don't move anything outside of food and bev, but we do. 
Um, for like you know, Cisco is one of our large accounts. Uh, we do a lot of stuff that's not produce with those guys. We're about 50-50 with those guys. Um, we do move a lot of produce, but we also do a lot of uh, reefer freight for those guys that's not produce, deli dairy cheeses, stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of that plays into like the backhaul portion of it too, right? Because produce for the majority moves west to east. There's not a whole lot like Florida season is very small. And most of the time that Florida product's not moving to the West Coast. So you got to find backhauls and most of those backhauls aren't going to be produce. But that's about the extent that we do outside of produce. We're super, super, super heavy in it. Do you notice, uh, I'm curious if you would think this is true because, you know, talking to other people, just my own experiences, you know, I think, you know, refrigerated freight, food, produce is a lot harder to get customers. But if you get in and do a good job, I feel like the loyalty is a lot stronger than, you know, if you get in with some dry van nine to four where there's not really, you know, it's harder to differentiate yourself, you know, with service levels. Oh, hundred um, percent. And, you know, food and Bev is like the, the reason so many people target food and Bev is because it's the least likely to have the ups and downs, right? So even when the economy is not great, people still have to eat. They might change what they're buying, right? They might be buying more ramen noodles than they were before, but they're still <laughs> buying food, right? They still have to buy food. Um, so um, it's, yeah, it's, it's very steady. Um, produce itself is very seasonal, um, especially around the holidays. You get certain holidays that they're all going to have certain items. You know, I always think about Christmas and citrus. You know, you guys probably go to the store and you see all the, the orange boxes and uh, the gift boxes and everything and oranges and grapefruits. Um, and then 4th of July is like a really big holiday for produce too. Uh, everybody's barbecuing. So everybody wants watermelons and cantaloupes and strawberries and all that shit. Um, Mother's Day, uh, Valentine's Day that, that just happened. Strawberries goes, goes nuts for Valentine's Day because everybody wants those, those chocolate dipped strawberries, right? Um, and then I've been, been doing some driver. Yeah, driver floral kind of gets wrapped into produce too. <laughs> if you move produce, you're going to move floral as well. Um, so all those big, you know, Mother's Day, uh, Memorial Day for moms, um, all those. And you got to understand that, you know, you, uh, Matt, you asked about prospecting for produce you can see certain times of the year and it, and it can literally be as, as small as just like a one week period where you'll see rates go up 50% because there's, there's a certain item cherries comes to mind. So cherries is grown in the early part of the year in Lodi, California, and then it shifts up to the Pacific Northwest out of uh, Washington, but it's only about a six to seven, maybe eight week season. And those Washington loads go crazy. Then, you know, they'll go, they'll go up an extra, you know, $1,500 a load. And if you don't know that when you're prospecting or you don't know that when you're pricing, you know, you're toast. And as a carrier, I always advocate to my carriers too. Hey, cherry season's coming up. I know you don't usually run Washington, but get your damn, get your reefer up there. You know, you want that three bucks per mile, that 350 per mile, go up there for six weeks, you know, go make that money. It's funny you mentioned Washington. That's where my big seafood account came. I don't know if you're familiar with Bellingham or Linden, Washington, up near the Canadian border. But a lot of the carriers I was using normally haul produce in Washington. Washington's been, was great, but um, it goes, definitely goes up, up and down and you got to be very careful in that market. Oh yeah. Q4, Q4 is a nightmare out of there. Um, but you know, the rest of the year's, year's good. So, I mean, you, you have to know your shit. And I know, I know most areas are pretty seasonal, but if you're doing your, your typical drive in, that's, let's just say Los Angeles to Chicago or something like that, your rates aren't going to vary too much throughout the year. Right. But, you know, California freight out of, um, you know, during the winter time, drastically different than California freight during the summertime. So 
I mean, how does flowers work? Like, um, I met some guy here recently, like in real life, and he was like, he's a flower shipper. And I didn't have time, and we have like a language barrier. I didn't have time to ask him about that. Like, how do they ship flowers? Like, how does that kind of like? Is it just like a standard reefer? They just cram it full of flowers? Like, yeah. So you're gonna have two different ones. You're gonna have palletized flowers. So, um, you know, just the the standard boxes, and they're gonna go up. And then they have the roller racks of flowers. Those are a pain in the ass. I, yeah, I've hauled those before. They're yeah, so if you don't have experience with those and you don't have drivers <laughs> who have experience with those and you don't have a driver with at least like five or six load bars, don't touch that shit. Yeah. Because um, all you're going to do is open that up. You're going to open your swing doors up and those last couple roller racks are just going to come out on you. But yeah, flowers with flowers, man. I always wonder, like, I just always pictured a full truck just of like flowers, you know, like, and he was telling me, hey, like, you know, you got to move that stuff fast. And I was just curious how they pick it and pack it. And I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure on the, the pick and pack side, um, but he, he is right. I mean, you have the, the shrinkage on flowers is huge, right? Because like the, every day that you get closer to Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, you're losing a, a day of sales because let's be honest, nobody, well, not nobody, not very many people are buying bouquets yeah. of flowers the day after Mother's Day, right? Yeah, no, he's the coolest guy because he tells me, he's like, hey, like uh, today he was telling me, he's like, hey, bro, I got a bunch of flowers. You want me to drop them off? Because <laughs> like, nobody <laughs> needs them anymore. So he's a cool guy, I don't know. But uh, hey, you have any like stories, man? Like I was thinking, um, you know, doing produce, you have any like stories where, you know, just some some crazy stuff happening with drivers or somebody, you know, doesn't want to stay and wait for stuff, takes off. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that probably happens at least a couple times a month, to be honest with you. Where where they'll so and it always goes back to cherries comes to mind. Cherries is like the most difficult fruit to move. Um, could because they, they have to pick it in the morning. The quality is always like hit or miss. Yeah, cherries are very sensitive to temperature outside. So if it's a little bit too warm, they won't harvest them. If it's a little bit too cold, they won't harvest them. Um, so I've had drivers sitting three or four days at a cherry shipper, you know, Jeez, and Christ, um, not a lot of those guys will sit that long. Obviously, we're going to pay them, right? We're going to compensate them for the time. Um, and that's another reason why we opened our consolidation up there is because I can have a local guy go do that. And if he's not going to get loaded, I'm just going to go send send it to go pick something else up, right? Um, yeah. and I'll just load everything out of my consolidation warehouse up there, but crazy stories. I had, um, I had a driver is a full load going to <coughs> um, for one of our larger customers. And he decided he was going to throw two pallets of, um, frozen LTL on the nose. And all he did was he put a bulkhead up there and he punched a hole through the bulkhead. And he thought that that would be enough airflow to come through to keep the produce cold. And so when he shows up to Texas, the produce is, you know, pulping at 60 degrees. And the produce right at the very beginning was like frozen solid, like right up towards nose. And when we asked him, he was like, well, I just, my dispatcher told me it would be okay. Like, you know, and I was like, yeah, you wanted to make your extra two grand on it or whatever for grabbing that LTL. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stories about loads going missing and just, you know, they go across the border and never see them again. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, man, because like, you know, I mean, stealing freight is stealing freight, but you're not going to go steal yeah. like, you know, raw materials for, for plastic for like production or, you know, but I'm thinking food, man. Like, you know, there was like that truck got stolen, like some chocolate bars. And I was thinking food's kind of something, if you, if you want to steal some food, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of something that's, you know, usable right away. <laughs> yeah. There was a truck, it wasn't one of ours, but there was a truck that got popped. Uh, it was a couple years ago and it was all um, bell peppers coming across the border down Mexico and it was all full of cocaine. They just cut, they cut the tops off the peppers and shoved cocaine bags in there and oh, put the tops back yeah. on the peppers. 
Yeah, it was, uh, and if I remember right, it was like $300 million worth of cocaine or something busted. One truck. Yeah. I mean, I just always go back to those mob movies, you know, where the, the meat trucks are getting knocked off. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, produce has to be a little sketchy, man, for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know if there's, like, a huge resale value because it, it goes bad so quick. I mean, maybe, like, your hearty stuff, like your potatoes and apples, but who the hell's buying that on the street, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, apples. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's, like, tons of, like, fraud schemes around produce because you kind of actually have to know what you're – yeah. doing which which kind of like is a good segue i think because like you and i have talked about you know co-brokering and you know it must be crazy crazy <laughs> to you to think when people call you up like most likely have no produce experience and then they want to co-broker yep. your freight. i mean that's got to be just wild to you especially yeah. being on the produce side yeah it's i in fact i had one yesterday that cole called me and, and straight up was like oh i noticed that you work with this customer and blah blah blah, blah. I'd love to be able to see what we can service you with. And I was like, are you a broker? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean what you can see? Do you guys think that you can book my freight better than we can? Well, no, but I'm sure there's some synergies. And I was like, no, we don't do that stuff. Like co-brokering is like, you know, one, your shipper, your customer has to know what's going on. If, if they don't, I don't care what agreement a broker to broker has. It's illegal. It's illegal. And on top of that, like what happens if there's a claim? You know, that's, that's always what I bring up to everybody is like, Who's responsible for it? The original broker. And you can say, I got a broker to broker agreement, but if the shipper doesn't know about it, the shipper doesn't give two shits that you have a broker to broker, a co-brokering agreement, right? You're responsible for that at the end of the day. And you can't pass that on to another broker just because you have a piece of paper saying that they're going to help you. Like, exactly. And that's what the annoying part is. Some people are like, well, I have a great relationship with my customers. So you know, they, they won't care, but it's like, if there's a claim, <laughs> they're definitely going to care and they're going to want to know why they trusted you and your relationship. And then it doesn't matter that you have some signed agreement, you know, the customer is going to definitely yep. care if there's a claim. hundred percent. And, and look, I understand that there is like, especially with dry LTL, I know it's pretty common, like co-brokering, right? Um, and maybe that's how that works. I don't know. We don't do dry LTL, but you know, in truckload, man, if you're trying to co-broker in truckload, that just means you got to go back to like brokering one-on-one, right? If you can't cover your own freight and you're turning to another broker to cover it, what does that say about you? Yeah. Exactly. And I, I'm guessing some of this is based on the market. Like, I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. I'm guessing your amount of calls to co-broker with, you weren't seeing that, you know, in 2021, for example. No, 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 no. Um, you were seeing a lot more fraud. You were seeing a lot more of the, the, uh, I don't know if it's dispatch companies or whatever. And, I, and I'm not trying to talk crap on dispatch companies, but there's a lot of them that were uh, as soon as anytime the market's hot, you'll get 10 emails on a load when you do have to post a load and the first 10 are going to all be fraudulent stuff. Right. <laughs> but when markets down like this, it's not near as bad because they're not able to, you know, brokers are a lot more, I don't want to say desperate, but they're a lot more willing to bend some rules on carrier setup and everything else when there's no trucks in the area. Um, and the capacity. Yeah, dude, honestly, here. right now, like, I just got into some huge beefs over the past couple of days on carrier setups. Like, it is so hard, like because I'm a power only company. So if mm -hmm. you pull up my company's history, you're gonna see I ran one dry van load for you like two years ago, and I have a loadout. You know, I need a dry van load. They're like, hey, you know, are you scamming us? I'm like, no, man. I just don't run dry freight often. You know, and uh, they make you jump through. Man, I'm getting like you got to use this website you got to have this vin we got to have pictures that like man in 2021 if i told you i could do it for four grand the guy's like the raycon's already in my email you know? right yep and now it's like buddy it's they don't want 
carriers to pick up the like you have to be like some serious jumping through hoops to, to haul anything and by the time you get done that they just say oh i gave it to the, the other truck he was already set up yeah so, we're, we're super selective um mostly just because of the temperature requirements right so yeah um, i mean you're doing something that actually requires like some yeah. serious type of people like, yeah so we require bin numbers on everything you got to have an mc that's at least 12 months old um your your reefers can't be older than, than seven seven years that's max and if you're gonna haul like strawberries and cherries which which we pay more on obviously um your reefer can't be more than three years old um stuff like that we're very selective when it comes to that how's that market i mean um i was just told somebody told me they booked uh, california to texas for 3200 on reefer i mean how's that sounding these days like, how's that the the, the well, depending on what area in cali i mean that's that sounds about right um but that that load's gonna be five grand in you know two months once the Selena season gets here so I'm glad you guys brought up the, uh, you know, fraud and, and stuff like that, you know, because you guys have such you know, strict, what's your kind of tech stack looking like, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords with, you know, technology going around. <laughs> there's probably, I think I've seen five different carrier fraud companies pop up that I'd never heard of before, like six months ago. I mean, are you guys doing a lot of, you know, relying on a lot of that tech? Or are you guys relying more on, you know, some of the internal stuff, like what you just mentioned? Uh, both actually. So we partner up with uh, Go Highway and then uh, Carrier Sure, Cassandra. We actually partnered up with Cassandra, like beta testing with her. So we've been with her for for a while. Um, I love what she's doing. She's super vocal about it. Um, I've got several uh, F double broker hats that she sent me, and um, and Highway. You know, I love Highway too. I mean, the the data that they actually you know send over your way is is really good. We used to use my carrier packet rmis and they they were good but not great um and then combine that with all of our internal checks where you know we we go above and beyond so you got to provide a vin number for us we got to cross you know cross reference that vin number is it registered to any other companies you'll come across that a lot right and then you'll have to go look at the time frame that it was because i know a lot of a lot of owner operators are going to lease on to different companies throughout their career totally fine right but if you're showing that you're leased onto like three companies at the same time, that's a red flag. You know, um, just a lot of that stuff, but we don't onboard a ton of carriers. Um, we proactively onboard carriers. So, you know, we're actively looking for any reefer dedicated carrier with an MC in our certain areas, especially like Arizona, California. As soon as they hit a year old, we're probably gonna call you. Um, and then we're gonna see if you're running produce. If you're running produce, we're probably gonna bring you on, talk to you about your power lanes, um, we have our own inter internal load board. So, you know, we'll set you up with that. You can check check out what we're doing. Um, but we don't we don't post a lot of loads, um, very, very few actually. And so we're kind of not in the same boat as some of the other guys when it comes to the fraud. Yeah. Do, you, do you have uh, on carrier sure? Because I've I'm kind of curious as I, I have a lot of people I know what you said about highway or, you know, very highly on highway, but on the carrier sure side, for example, you know, I've heard from some friends and some carriers that, you know, sometimes with the data that like good carriers can get, you know, that you might haul with or have hauled with previously, you know, would have like a bad rating um, based on the data. I mean, have, have you ran into that at all? Or is that easy problem to? Uh, it's fix? pretty easy. She's made it pretty, pretty easy. I, I had a carrier, I don't know, it was maybe a year ago or so. Um, he got a bad review and he called me immediately because he knew that I was, I was friends with Cassandra and was like, I got this email from carrier sure, blah, 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 blah. And basically it was just an asshole broker that flagged him for, you know, his truck broke down in route to, to go in and pick it up his product. So 
broker flagged him for that and had to recover the load. That shit happens, right? And I know there's plenty of, of carriers out there who are going to have a breakdown and they just found a better paying load. But as a broker, you got to accept that that's going to happen, right? That's just part of the game. And then there are legit breakdowns. This guy's truck broke down. He can't go pick up your load. And then you gave him an F on carrier, sure. But what uh, how Cassandra has it set up is immediately that carrier is going to have a, a chance to have a rebuttal, right? And he's going to talk to carrier, sure, explain exactly what happened. Then he's, he has the ability to talk to the broker that flagged him. Um, long term, I haven't seen any major effects, but I, I know that it happens. You know, you can report them for whatever. Um, but the, the best part about carrier sure is that you can talk to other brokers that are, you know, the reason why they flagged them and find out. Oh, there's there's yeah. an internal network with that. Yeah. So that, so that way, you know, because if I call up Matt and I'm like, hey, Matt, you flagged this carrier because he didn't pick up your load. And I can just tell the Matt's like, oh, yeah, no, this guy was just an asshole. He said that he broke down two, you know, two miles away from the pickup. I'm probably not going to think that that carrier is that bad, but if you let me know like, oh yeah, they held my load hostage. They were 20 miles outside of delivery and they demanded an extra $2,000 type stuff. Yeah. I'm going to be able to, to understand that your complaint was legit. Yeah. That makes sense though, too. Why, you know, a lot of that stuff isn't as a big a concern because you guys have such a you know strict process and so many internal you know carriers, you guys have been at it for 20 years and you know, have a big network and concentrated certain areas. So I'm sure that's, prevented you from a lot of the problems that the market as a whole may see. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the horror stories that I hear and read about, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that we aren't posting hundred loads a day. <laughs> I mean, there's a little topic, man, that's been going around about um, go highway and the ELD stuff. You guys force ELD integration or that's just nah. your choice. Nah, we, you know, we like to work with the guys that are, you know, 20 truck fleets and 15 truck fleets and even the, the onesie twosies. Right. I mean, if you're going to run for me, we, we have a lot of good teams that are just like a husband-wife duo. And I'm not going to force them to use an ELD. I mean, we, we work with Turbo. That's for TMS. And they have a really good tracking app. So we just track them on that. We're not going to force anything on those yeah. guys. I mean, I don't know what's been going on, man. That Go Highway, it's not Highway. It's like the broker. I guess that's a choice. And I've been getting forced into integrating ELD. And I just thought, I'm not doing it. Like, I mean, that's just my care, you know? And if you don't want to work with me, because that's fine. I mean. <laughs> It's because you know, so if you make them integrate with their ELD, you can actually see their physical footprint, and that's yeah. what that's what they're trying to go for. Yeah, um, I mean, but they get access to the whole ELD software. That's like the biggest issue. You know? um, yeah, they get backdoored into your whole system. They can see all your loads, like, you know, all your oh, wow. your addresses you've been to. So I mean, it's just kind of like one of those things where I mean, I'm glad you guys don't force people, you know. And there's another thing, like I've been doing a lot of hiring and. Man, there's some drivers don't know how to download macro point. They don't like know how to use the phone. <laughs> he can drive a truck. He can reverse that truck. I spent an hour with a guy and just to get to his app store to download pilot app to get the fuel card. And like, I mean, that's like the, you know, there's people that, that are out there that can't use technology. And if you want to ask them to integrate ELD and this, you're just really pushing away, like, you know, the, the older generation. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's uh, yeah. We're not that strict. I mean, we, we do require tracking, obviously, like I said, produce, you gotta, you gotta know where your shit's at 24 seven. It's the joke all the time that I hear from one of my friends. that's a uh, produce buyer is that produce buyers treat their, their product like it's human organs. You know, <laughs> they literally do. I mean, they, they want, we've got one customer that literally needs an update every two hours on the produce loads. Every two hours, they want to know, are you loaded? What's the temperature at on the, on the box? And where are you at? Are you good for on-time delivery? And it's like, you just, you got to deal with that stuff. That makes me think I had a buddy who moves produce was telling me a story. They had a customer who 
uh, and would stay up all night, allegedly doing uh, a powdered substance, a produce. <laughs> and then he would be asking for updates at like every night at like one, two, three, four in the morning, like every half hour. And yep. they, they made good money, but they uh, you know, said it was uh, it was wild. A lot of these, there's a lot of uh, partying in the produce industry and some of the uh, some of the customers can be uh, you know, want a lot of updates. I mean, what they said. To me, it sounds like, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, man. So it's up, like you said, it's so seasonal. Like some months you make a million, some months you're making nothing. Like. I mean, it sounds like there's some times to celebrate. Cherry season comes to mind. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's a no. That's funny because we we do have a couple buyers that literally like they're on at six o'clock in the morning and they're still asking for updates at midnight. And you're like, do you even sleep? Like, you know, you can't have a work life balance. I mean, you're dedicated. I'll, I'll hire those people. You know, but like, I mean, I know you were telling me about your your hard cutoff time constraints. So I mean, what's the yeah. future look like for you, man? I mean, what what are you gonna? Uh, I mean, we're gonna, you know we're just. Yeah, we're just focused on on growth right now. I mean, you know, produce is a massive industry, so it's you know we're we're just we're we're small fish compared to the Allen Lunds of the world. I, I think Allen Lund is the largest produce broker currently, um, and they do a fantastic job. They've been doing it for fifty years. Um, but you know, future we're we're growing. We're we're steady growth. A lot of people have been complaining the last what year and a half that this has been a down market. We've actually seen the best two years in our company's history um, for growth. And we're continuing. I think this year we're actually going to break the record we set two years ago. Um, and it's it's just through continuous improvement, you know, just making sure that you understand your niche and and just be very good at what you do. Don't try and do everything. And that's that's always what I tell my team. Just be good at what you're supposed to do, and the growth is going to come. I'm glad you said that because I yeah, that's I know other, other people bro. who are who are also doing well in this market. And sometimes you log into social media, LinkedIn, you go on Twitter, and everyone makes it seem like this is the worst industry to be in and there's no opportunity. And we talk to people like you who record years. So, yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's, uh, I tell Chris Jolly this all the time, right? Like there's a bull market everywhere. You just got to understand it and make sure that your service level is high. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? If you're not, if you're not a value add, like why is anybody going to add you and why is any, anyone going to be loyal to you? I because, think you were smart you know, too with what you we just said about Alan Lund too. I mean, I think a lot of brokers make a mistake. I mean, they'll just go in and try to bash the competitors, and uh, which is one of the dumbest things you can you can do. You know, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of room in this market for you know a lot of good brokers, a lot of good trucking companies. Yeah, there's a what is there like twenty seven thousand registered brokers. Yeah, you know, and there's only one hundred and fifty of them that break a hundred million. So that tells you how many are you know under that hundred million mark. So. Um, just focusing on, on service level. I mean, that's the biggest thing in open communication. The worst thing you can ever do is lie or omit information to your customers because, you know, my famous line is bad news gets worse with time. And that's, I, I cannot say that enough. If something happens, let your customer know about it because 90% of the time they can pivot on their end to make it less painful to their customers. Right. Um, but if you wait until the very last moment, say, Oh, sorry, my truck broke down there. They're, they're going to miss their appointment you don't leave them room to, uh, you know, to pivot and do what they need to do for their uh, company. I mean, I think even on the carrier side, um, my, my current boss has been, she, she's been saying this line when we have issues, you know, I think a lot of carriers are scared to tell a broker, you know, Hey, I'm broken down or, Hey, I got an yeah. issue. And I mean, my, my boss has been saying this line to people like, you think I want this problem. You think I don't want to make it to the pickup. You think I want to be broke, you know, like, I think just telling people, like I tell every broker, like I'd rather tell you in, like now than in four hours. Like I might not make this pickup. You have four hours to, to figure it out now. 
rather than in four hours, maybe I make it, maybe I don't. I think, you know, just telling people the truth is always going to get you further. Absolutely. Because we've all dealt with it, right? Like we all know that weather's going to happen. We all know that you're dealing with people and you're dealing with, you know, vehicles. People get sick, vehicles break down, tires get flat, weather happens. Yeah. Like that's another thing, the driver, man. Like I had to tell a broker the other day, like, hey, my driver is just not in a good mood. Like I have to cancel this load, you know, like he's a human, like he's allowed to have a bad day and like, yeah. I, like, well, what can I do about that? You know? Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's, that's the industry and everyone knows that it happens. Right. So if you act like that shit's not going to call preaching that you're going to be hundred percent on time delivery. No one's going to give you a time of day because they, they know it's just a, it's, it's just, just unrealistic. Spell, right? Yeah. It's unrealistic. The, same, the same thing where they don't know the rates. I can, I guarantee I can save you money and they have no yeah. idea what. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I can save you money and labor and make you look like, you know, the greatest things since sliced bread. And you're like, but you don't even know what I do. You're prospecting me for auto parts and I'm a, you know, I'm a grocery shipper. Like, I, I don't know if you if you get this too, but I mean, when I used to call some food shippers, they they know if you've moved like their product, you know, like 100%. they they can tell like, you know, just with having a five to ten minute conversation because there's a lot of people they'll just call every single industry, a hundred different industries, and then they don't have any idea about the specific problems in that industry or be able to have an actual conversation. And shippers can tell that, you know, hundred oh, percent. I mean, everybody who delivers food knows that there's certain warehouses that you might have a 1 1 a.m. delivery appointment, but you're probably not going to get touched until five or six in the morning, right? Like they know who they are. And if you're prospecting that person, they're either just going to use you and abuse abuse you for a little bit, or they're just not going to give you the time of day, right? You ever uh, delivered to Berkshire in uh, Chicago? I have, yeah. (laughs) So that's a fun one. (laughs) That is a fun one. That is a fun one. There's, there's There's some difficult ones out there. And honestly, there's some great ones out there too. I mean, there's some that'll literally get you unloaded in 45 minutes. That is one positive about produce though. Um, and I know it's shitty for everybody else, but a lot of times they'll bump loads for produce because produce is always like hot ad items. So if you show up with a load of berries, they're going to be like, sorry, a guy with corn pops and toilet paper, like we got to get the berries off first, you know? So, but well, it's been, it's been good having you on. I know, uh, I know you got a, uh, a call coming up so we don't want to we don't want to keep you keep you over but it was a uh, it was fun this hour went by uh you know really fast and you know thanks for coming on with us yeah thanks for the opportunity guys hey, it was nice have to a, meet you man. yeah, yeah nice likewise. and that's good to meet you finally yeah great to meet you as well have a uh, have a good rest of the week and i'm sure we'll uh, talk soon yeah thanks guys that was well, fun. Man. That went by really fast. I mean, um, there's so much to dive into. I felt like we could have talked about produce for like three hours. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I've hauled it on reefer before. And um, I mean, I didn't even really realize while we're doing it, like how strict it is, you know. Luckily, all the produce I hauled, you know, you just set the temps. My drivers are always great. They're on time. But um, yeah, I mean, I could see that going really wrong really fast. If you're posting up on DAT all your freight. I mean. Oh, yeah. Good luck doing that in, uh, in produce. I forgot to mention we are sponsored by HD Ships, uh, one of the premier agent programs out there. Um, and we uh, appreciate their sponsorship. Um, and yeah, we'll be uh, back tomorrow at uh, like two or three Eastern, I think. Yeah. However, it accommodates you and John's schedule. I should be free. Sounds uh sounds good. Um, it should be fun. John's gonna be live in Daytona. He's at the five Daytona five. Yeah, I saw him today booking free. He made a post about booking freight from his camper in Daytona, drinking a beer. Oh, yeah, John's John's living, man. Yeah, he called me. He's like, Can we can I come on the show from Daytona? I'm like, sure, we'll do another <laughs> casual Friday. Yeah. Anyways, man, have a good rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow.
Sounds good. Okay.